When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Greg Bedard Patriots Podcast with Nick Cavins. He's Greg. I'm Nick. The Patriots are on the practice field, folks. Training camp has begun. The Greg Bedard Patriots podcast with Nick Cattles is brought to you by Athletic Greens, the all-in-one nutritional insurance for your body that has over 7,000 five-star reviews. Well, Greg, the Patriots were out there. You were there at Foxborough this morning taking in all the action. Let's start. Matt Patricia, I heard he was on some kind of walkie-talkie. What did you see from the coaching staff today? Yeah, I I don't know if it was all that different, Nick, than what we saw in OTAs, um, but, you know, maybe a little bit. I mean, my sense was, look, early on in practice, Matt Patricia was very involved um, with Mac Jones and the quarterbacks. Then he sort of went off into the corner with the offensive line when it was more individual stuff, and Joe Judge took care of that. But the last half of practice, when there was a lot of team going on and the offensive line was part of it, uh, it was all Matt Patricia calling the plays. I mean, to me, it felt like Matt Patricia is clearly in control of the offense. And Joe Judge, this was sort of the first time where I was like, and eh, Joe Judge is just kind of the quarterback's coach. That's that's how it felt today. Um, you know, sometimes Matt Patricia was relaying the plays into the quarterbacks just, you know, through their ear hole. Uh, later on in practice, they had the walkie-talkie out. So, you know, to me, I don't know if Matt Patricia is going to be the ultimate play caller at the end of the day on game day. I think that's a ways off and we'll have to see in the preseason. But for sure, it looks like he's going to be the offensive coordinator where, you know, he's in charge of scripting the practices and things like that and, and what they're doing as far as plays. And and uh, so I thought that was that was a little bit different today. It was definitely a different feel. Uh, we'll have to see how much things change for tomorrow. It's interesting. Now we have some roles somewhat defined, right? Now Joe Judge, we know, is the quarterback's coach. He'll be working with Mac all week long and, and, you know, making sure he's set to go. And then you've got Matt Patricia, who looks like, as of right now, will be calling the plays. The Patriots would not be the only team in the NFL that has a separate quarterback coach and offensive coordinator. It happens often in the league. A lot of people are kind of just used to Josh McDaniels being the guy, the head coach of the offense. This is going to be a tweak. We'll see how it works. We'll see how it evolves. Let's talk about the offensive line. Uh, Trent Brown, back at left tackle. What else did you see up front with the big guys? Yeah, so uh, David Andrews is still out. He was sort of just in a T-shirt doing – he's on pop coming back from his shoulder injury. So, you know, one of the things that I definitely looked at first was, all right, what are they doing at left tackle and right tackle? Because there was a chance that the Patriots took a look at Trent Brown at left and Isaiah went at right and – decided that's not the direction we want to go for training camp. We're going to flip them back, but that wasn't the case. Trent Brown was at left tackle. Cole strange was at left guard. Uh, Ference was at center. Owenu was at right guard and Wynn was at right tackle. Uh, The first people need to understand that the first four days through Saturday, uh, it's part of the quote unquote acclimation process. So 
uh, you know, very light on any sort of contact or any sort of pass rush. The pass rush really, when they were on the field, took about two or three steps and then stopped, uh, which was obviously to the offense's advantage. But, uh, you know, it was certainly notable that the Patriots seemed to be going ahead with Trent Brown as their left tackle and Isaiah Wynn as their right tackle. Interesting. Now, I've got a question for you because we're at the very beginning of training camp here, and we've talked Mm -hmm. about possibly trying to move on from Isaiah Wynn. When do you think that no longer is an option, or they they can push that until almost the first week of the season, Greg? Yeah, I think I, I think that's a decision that could uh, wait a very long time. And it might have to because the, the Patriots might need a desperate team that either through injury or just watching their own team in training camp practice says like, we're not good at left tackle or right tackle. Um, you know, by moving Isaiah Wynn over to the right, at least now you're going to give, and I assume he's going to be there in the preseason, you're giving film where they've seen him on both sides and that, that might help the trade process because, you know, as of right now, 10.4 million for one season for Isaiah Wynn for most teams is going to be pretty steep. Uh, so it's going to take some desperation, I think. And, you know, even some Patriots eating some of the money to move him. But I, I, I think you're right that it's something that could go to final cutdowns, you know, really, or even, even after that, because there's usually like 10, 11 days before the first game. Something could get done in that area. I don't think they need to rush it. I don't think they will. And quite frankly, the Patriots need somebody to emerge to make them feel comfortable that that win that they can move on from win. So that's you know Justin Haran, Yadni Kajust, or Andrew Stuber, the draft pick who has yet to be cleared physically. Speaking of emerging, we've talked about the the third running back the pass catching running back as one of the needs for this team, right? One of the positions that need to pop James white, Mike Reese wrote that, you know, he's been walking with some kind of uncomfortable looking gait. I personally, as much as I love James white, I'm at the point, Greg, that I'm just not going to believe it until I see it. I don't know if he's going to play another down of regular season football. Hopefully I'm wrong, but I just don't trust that. So one of the guys we've been looking at as a possibility is Pierre strong drafted, obviously by the Pats in April, Pierre was limited. How do you think that that pass catching running back position is going to work here over the next few weeks? Uh, That's a good question. And if the first day is any judge and it probably isn't, but uh, very heavy on the veterans, Damian Harris, Ramondre Stevenson were pretty much uh, the receiving backs out of the backfield when they were And people need to understand today was, entirely red zone work. And this is similar to what we saw last year and we weren't sure what to make of it. Now we have more data. Now we, and Bill talked about it this morning, uh, basically where the Patriots left off in their install in the off season was they hadn't gotten to red zone and probably there'll be something tomorrow that they haven't gotten to. And they're going to do that now. So the, so they used that time. It was all red zone today a lot of Damian Harris, a lot of Ramondre Stevenson. I thought they looked good out of the backfield. A lot of J.J. Taylor. Uh, so, you know, we've talked about it before, Nick. When you're a young player in the NFL, you cannot afford to miss practice time. Every day you miss practice, you're yep. going to be behind. And so this definitely bears watching. How long is he going to be out? Is this just a day or two thing? Or are we talking, if it's, if it's upwards of a week, I think you can even start to talk about 
yeah, I I don't know if this is going to work for him his rookie year, sort of like we saw with James White, Shane Vereen when they came in as rookies where uh, they didn't get an opportunity right away. Ty Montgomery an option there? Uh, I, it could be. Uh, you know, he was one of the guys who sort of stood out a little bit. I thought he had a good day today. He wears number 14. Uh I would say if you looked at him, you would think of him more as a Debo type of guy. Like he's really thick. He's well built. I, that's what sort of yeah. stood out when he walked out on the on the practice field. And then I thought he had a good day in practice. So he, he looks more like a wide receiver, definitely a gadget type guy. That's what he's done. He's been a running back. So, yeah, I think that if Pierre Strong can't get on the field and they feel like they need more options, I would say Ty Montgomery would be a guy that they look at. All right, let's talk secondary. Marcus Jones, red contact jersey, I think is gone, right? He's ready to go after double shoulder surgery. Uh, working with the cornerbacks or safeties, Greg, because I, I remember going back, Greg Cosell, right after the draft, you had him on the podcast mm-hmm. and he said, honey badger, right? And not that he's going to be the honey badger, but he reminds him of the honey badger. Where was Jones lined up today and how did he look? Sur- surprisingly, he was at slot cornerback. He did not work with the safeties today. Um, you know, that might be a, a case where the Patriots, we all know they're pretty stacked at, at safety. And a guy like Jabril Peppers isn't even out there yet. Um, So, and it could be a case of Jonathan Jones isn't quite ready. So, hey, let's give, let's get a look at Marcus Jones at cornerback. Um, He is going to be a multifaceted tool for them. I think that's pretty obvious. And so why not give them early reps where they're a little bit short? Um, he, he has a lot, he did not take part in the off season. So he has a lot of catching up to do in terms of, you know, what's going on on defense and how he plays and they need more data on him. And so I thought it was interesting that he was out there. Uh, I, I thought he did. I thought he did fairly well. The thing that stands out about him, Nick, is that he, man, he is, he is small. He's not that he's not skinny. <laughs> he's pretty thick, but man, he is small, and I don't know what his numbers were coming out of the combine, but and maybe it was just this one rep, but they were doing sort of red zone, almost like, hey, the quarterback's going to throw it up in the corner, or the cornerback's uh, got to you know, get a jam and then play the ball. And I wasn't all that impressed with his vertical uh, jump. It could have been a bad rep. Um, I don't know, but I will say this. The dude is quick as hell. He is, what, what did uh, Daniel Jeremiah, quicker than a hiccup. Uh, he, he, he has that going on for him. So that that's good for the slot, but I do think long-term, I think he is a honey badger sort of multifaceted tool in terms of, you know, he can line up basically anywhere. I believe Daniel Jeremiah stole that from the great Jim Ross from the WWF, by the way, uh, the rest of this, I would know that I am the wrestling nerd of this, of these two people talking to you right now. Uh, so, all right, let's look at the uh, cornerback group. The top three guys, Sean Wade was in the slot. Marcus Jones played behind him. How about the uh, one and the two on the outside, Greg? So it was Jalen Mills and Terrence Mitchell, sort of a continuation of the offseason. Uh, I don't know if that's a you know big surprise. Um, but then you had, you know, Malcolm Butler was in the second group with the rookies, Jack Jones, Marcus Jones. Uh, so, you know, that was definitely an interesting pairing. Juwan Williams, former, what, second-round pick? Uh, he was in Scrubville uh, with guys I didn't never really heard of. I will say though, that Juwan Williams had an interception today, a nice interception today in practice. So uh, 
you know, that was nice, but he was definitely, uh, he was probably looking around and being like, bruh, these are the guys I'm playing with. Really? Really? <laughs> he's doing the uh, John Travolta from uh, Pulp Fiction, the gift that's always going around where he's just like in yeah. the room, he's looking around like what, who am I with here? Uh, out of, mm-hmm. out of the guys. Right. So I think we know what to expect from Jalen Mills, good and bad out of the other guys, Greg, Terrence Mitchell, Wade, Jack Jones, Malcolm Butler. I won't include Marcus because this was his first practice today. And I know it's very limited and it's early, but is anybody sticking out to you in any kind of way out of those, you know, rest of the guys group at cornerback? Well, I will say to this point, and and I thought today with it it being all red zone, it was tough to really tell much of anything Um, with a second. A lot of, a lot of the red zone work in the secondary is passing off guys and, so it's it's hard to tell. There was no sort of seven on seven period where it's just like, you know, one on one, you know, just in the middle of the field or, you know, or even one on one work, which you'll get like you'll get a lot of cornerbacks versus wide receivers. Hey, wide receivers get to make a move and none of that stuff. So it was hard to tell who stood out. But to this point, if you include the offseason, I think you would say, you know, Jack Jones is a guy who has stood out among the group um but you could tell the patriots like mitchell for whatever reason the texans didn't want him back um i think the patriots think they found a diamond in the rough there but we'll have to see fascinating too because of course you have the other part of that story right nick casario made the decision that it was not the guy in houston and they didn't want him if Belichick gets something out of Mitchell, it's kind of like a ha-ha, kind of snub the nose at, at Casario. We got one over on you, Nick. You screwed that one up, my man. Uh, let, let's talk about linebacker. That's another position that we've discussed an awful lot this offseason. We know Jawan Bentley is going to be there uh, at the second level. Raekwon McMillan, we now know, is healthy. He's ready to go. Uh, he was out there today. What would you see from uh, the second level, Greg? And, and was there something interesting they did with Mac Wilson at, at one point? Yeah, pretty much the the second group. So Bentley and McMillan were the first group, and then it was uh, Mac Wilson and um, Tavai were the second group. I didn't see a whole lot of out of Cam McGrone in this practice. I mean, maybe I just missed him and I was watching something else. Uh, but Mac Wilson, like in like red zone sort of coverage situations, uh, Bentley was not on the field, and it was it was Wilson and McMillan, and I think I think. Bill was asked about McMillan today, this morning, and I think he singled out sort of like, you know, his his experience, which he does and you know, which he does have. And also, um, you know, sort of his quickness and he's coming back from a knee injury. So uh, that's tough to judge. But I do think it's a continuation of what we saw before his injuries. They really like Raekwon McMillan, and I think they're going to mix and match sort of their linebackers you know, after that, in terms of Bentley against the run, is Mac Wilson, is it Cam McGrone? You know, we'll have to see. The Cam McGrone thing is interesting because of all the pumping of the tires the Patriots did around draft time saying, oh, no, Cam McGrone, you know, he's pretty much our draft pick out of this draft. Yep. And he hasn't done much so far. And again, it's really early. Who knows? But he hasn't really been out there doing a whole ton. The question that I have when I hear you break it down so far, and again, it's the caveat is it's really, really early, but if you're going to roll out Mac Wilson on passing situations, that makes this defense pretty predictable at the second level. 
And you would imagine that offenses would be able to, especially in 2022, take advantage of that. When they see Juwan Bentley out there, they know the Patriots don't want Bentley in coverage. Can they get Bentley in coverage? And I wonder, therefore, Greg, is it possible? Is it possible that, you know, Wilson ends up playing more than Bentley when we get into the season because of that, that predictability that you have when Juwan's out there? Or Belichick will say, screw it. I'll deal with the predictability. Uh, on those plays, if they get Bentley in coverage, tip of the cap to them. But we we just trust Bentley way too much. Yeah, I think for now, considering the lack of experience that all the rest of the guys have in the scheme, I think it's it's Bentley's job to lose. But I do think the Patriots will look at it. I mean, you're hoping – yeah, if you're the Patriots, you're hoping that Mac Wilson at the end of the day isn't a one-trick pony and that he can be an every-down type of guy. I think – I think you're going to see, you know, we've seen it at cornerback. We've seen it at safety. We've seen it at other positions. You know, the Patriots are sort of game plan matchup people. And that, you know, I think now we never really see it with inside linebacker. Um, you know, they've pretty been pretty defined on how they do things. But now I think, you know, you could get a situation where against certain teams, it's a lot of Mac Wilson and McMillan instead of, you know, Bentley and McMillan, that sort of thing. All right, let's jump to the offense. Uh, the name that I saw a lot on Twitter today was Devontae Parker. Sounded like mm-hmm. he had a pretty, pretty, pretty good practice. Uh, what did you see from the new man in town on the outside there? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, certainly looks good and in shape in that, you know, the new number one um, jersey now that uh, Nikhil is no longer around. Uh, you know, he... he 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 looks good on the field. You know, when he was out there, he had a couple of really nice hookups with Mac Jones where he was able to use his body, his catch, catch radius, which, you know, we knew is the strength of his. I think I was a little bit surprised, and I think Mac Jones was as well, that, you know, Parker got up, showed some nice vertical jumping ability uh, on some contested catches, and and that was impressive. It was good to see, you know, Parker flex for the crowd and get them all into it you know, on his first day. Uh, I thought it was a really nice first day for Devontae Parker. And, you know, you just, if you're a Patriots fan, you're hoping, okay, just stay on the field. Keep building that rapport with Mac Jones because, you know, at the end of the day, that's that's what's going to be important. And it could be ruined by, you know, if he he's had injury problems in the past, he pops a hammy and he's out for a week or two of practice, all of a sudden, you know, the the, the trust that he's building with Mac Jones has to be rebuilt. And that would be unfortunate. Yeah, you just hope he stays healthy because he does absolutely, no doubt about it, bring a different element to this offense, an element this offense has been looking for for quite a long time. And if he can stay healthy and he gives that to this football team, their offense is much more versatile and difficult to defend, easily put. And it makes Mac Jones that much better. Uh, Another guy, I think, you know, before we move on to like your big umbrella thoughts from today, I just want to... I know you pointed out Kendrick Bourne and you said his energy and enthusiasm is Kendrick Bourne, like the media's guy. And I don't mean that he's like a binky for the media, but it seems like universally Kendrick Bourne is loved by the media more than anybody I can remember in recent memory with the Patriots. You guys love this dude. Yeah. I just think Nick, I don't think it's about us. I mean, we just see him a lot more than other people and he's just one of those guys. And I think we even remarked about it last year, you know, when, uh, he had a very similar play to last year. I remember almost like his first day 
where he caught this ball going out of bounds, almost the same play. They were probably installing red zone. And I remember I wrote about it. He was going out of bounds on the left sideline in the end zone. He caught it. And then he sort of like leaped up in the air and got all excited. He did almost the exact same thing today. And I just think he's just one of those guys when you watch, like, you know, what did Brady used to say about Gronk? Like the the guy never has a bad day. That's what it seems like with Kendrick Bourne. He always has a smile. He's always moving. He's always enthusiastic. And, you know, that's, that's big is, you know, especially in those lean days of training camp in the middle where people are dragging to have a guy that you see go out with enthusiasm and make a play. I think it, I think it really does translate to the rest of the team. And so that's why uh, we love, we love Kendrick Bourne. Yeah. Good vibes. He brings the good vibes and he's also, this helps. He's also a pretty damn good football player. So yep. when you have, when you have the good vibes guy also be a good player that can help the offense. That's good. I'm not telling you he's Gronk of course, but he is a good football player that can contribute. Uh, all right. So big picture thoughts, just kind of your big takeaways from, from what you saw today, Greg. Uh, teaching day, um, you know, I, and I think that's going to go on for the next couple of days. I guess, you know, my big takeaways would be like it, it, a lot of good vibes going around on the team. I thought there was a lot of good enthusiasm. I thought people were having fun. As Mac Jones said, after, you know, everybody has juice the first day, you know, it's, it's important to bring it every day. And I think, uh, the wise old man, Mac Jones, uh, is right. Um, and so it was good to see on the first day. Uh, I thought that things overall were sharp. Didn't see the ball on the ground a, a ton. Um, I thought that both the offense and defense had their moments. I thought Mac Jones looked good. I will say not to push back on sort of the narrative, but, you know, looking through my binoculars and no pads today, it was just T-shirts. You know, I, Mac Jones's physique didn't, you know, it wasn't like he all of a sudden was an Adonis. Like, you know, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't look all that different to me. Certainly a little bit more trim, but I, I thought I would see a little bit more muscle from what we've seen on Instagram and other places. And I don't know, maybe I was just being picky and, uh, but uh, I wasn't blown away by that, but I thought he had a good day and I thought, you know, he was enthusiastic. He was leading things. Matt Patricia seems to be in control of the offense. The Patriots are, are off and running. Mac Jones talking about juice and needing juice every single day. You know, I heard you talk about athletic greens last week and mm-hmm. you know, you talked about how athletic greens gives you the juice every day. It gives you the energy. And I just got my, I just got my delivery of athletic greens in the mail this week. So uh, I can't wait to dig into that, but tell the fine people that listen to this podcast about athletic greens and, and how it's helped kind of change your life in, in your sometimes wet blanket disposition. I don't know if it's helped that, but. Tell the people about athletic greens. <laughs> uh, you know, I will say, yeah. I mean, look, I, I relayed this story last week, hundred percent true. There's a Packers player that I, that I uh, used to cover and he asked people on the internet, he's like, what's the one nutritional supplement that you wish you, you would have used uh, before. And I looked through the mentions cause you know, I'm always looking for something to add uh, to my repertoire and, uh, and I, person after person kept saying athletic greens and I'm like what the heck is this stuff and I googled it and I started reading it and you find out like you know with one delicious scoop of AG1 you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins minerals whole sourced ingredients probiotics and adaptogens to help you start your day right 
This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, aging, all these things. And I completely agree. I'm now, I've been using it for three weeks now. I have my routine. The first thing I do, even before I grab a cup of coffee, is I, you know, they send you a little bottle, you put your water in there, you put in a scoop, uh, you shake it up. And, you know, look, we all know. These green juices, a lot of them don't taste very well. But I gotta say, I gotta say this this does not taste taste quote unquote healthy. It has a, like a little bit of a mint towards the end. There's no like aftertaste. There's none of this like you know garbage that that you know at the end after you swallow it, you're just like oh holy cow, what did I drink? It's very smooth. You know I I love it. I mean I and I can notice the difference. You know in sort of my energy level, my focus you know, consistency of, you know, you know, going to the bathroom and all that stuff. It helps you in so many different ways that, you know, I've been blown away. And I know some of my family members heard my spot and they bought it and they're into it. You know, everybody needs to, to check this out. And, you know, to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase all you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash bedard b-e-d-a-r-d again that's athleticgreens.com slash bedard to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance athletic greens shout out to greg bedard's regularity woo, woo. exactly that is very important <laughs> i'm not getting any younger nick no, none of us are, my man. And, and by the way, uh, legitimately for a second, I just want to point out, check out Greg. If you haven't seen Greg's Twitter page today, I, I saw the tweet you sent out earlier today from, from where you were physically about a year ago to where you are now. And my man has lost almost like a complete human being. So, you know, great job by you. It's great to see you get in better health. Um, and it's, it's awesome to see that, that this stuff has worked for you and, and you continue down that road. Uh, let, let's talk about the, uh, Three competitive positions, okay? We've got cornerback, linebacker, and right tackle. Let's start with cornerback, Greg. Give me the lowdown on this position, contenders, favorites, dark horse. How are you feeling? Yeah, the, you look, there's always competition in every camp, but to me, I boil it down to the, I, I think these three spots, uh, cornerback, linebacker, and right tackle are sort of, to me, uh, where the biggest competition lies. And yep. I think you have to start at cornerback because I think it's it's a complete, it's almost like a complete unknown field other than Jalen Mills, you know, who we think will have a starting spot. And Jonathan Jones, whenever he gets back, uh, will be the slot. But as far as like starting battering corner, I mean, you have, you know, it could be Malcolm Butler, could be Terrence Mitchell, it could be Jack Jones, probably won't be Sean Wade. He's been slot you know, this off season and now first day in camp, Juwan Williams uh, seems like he's, you know, he was in Scrubville today. Seems like he's going to be off the, uh, off the rosterville uh, pretty soon. Um, the favorites for me. And, and when I wrote this, it was, you know, based off of practice off season practices, uh, Jalen Mills and Terrence Mitchell, my dark horse is Jack Jones. I don't think he's a huge dark horse. A lot of people have talked about him in the camp that he had the offseason. Uh, I'd say the heat is on Malcolm Butler, Juwan Williams, and Wade, even though Wade shouldn't – he doesn't belong on that list because I think, 
he was a draft pick last year. They traded for him from the Ravens. You know, I think he's here and he looks pretty good. Um, you know, and in my in my mind, I think at the end of the day, I think the two starting boundary cornerbacks for the Patriots in week one, provided no injuries, is Jalen Mills and Jack Jones. I think they're going to win the job at the end of the day. And after the first day, I don't feel any worse about that. I think I think Jack Jones, once they get into more real camp, I think he's going to show out. Tell you what, if Jack Jones starts this season, boundary corner across from Jalen Mills uh, and, and holds his water there, you know, Bill Belichick did a pretty good job to nab that guy where he nabbed him. If he's going to be, you know, a starting outside corner day one, season one, you might feel a little bit better about that pick immediately. Off the ball linebacker, obviously contenders. We've run through the list before, Greg. I'll run through it again. Bentley, McMillan, Wilson, McGrone, Tavai, and uh, Longy, Langy, Longy, Langy, Longy. Um, <laughs> Easy for you to say. <laughs> your, your favorites out of that list, Greg. Yeah, I, I, you know, I wrote that. I wrote this last night, and it, we it it was backed up on the field. Juwan Bentley and uh, Raquan McMillan right now are the favorites to be your starters at off the ball linebacker. You know, I feel good about it at that point. Um, you know, my dark horse is Cam McGrone. I mean, he's sort of like an X factor, and sometimes when you get these kids who are coming back from major injuries, the team sort of brings them along very slowly because they're afraid they're going to push it. They're going to try to make up for what they missed last year. So maybe they're sort of like holding him back. You know, that I've seen it happen before uh, because I do think he's talented, um, you know, but I do think that, you know, the heat is on Mac Wilson, who is in the final year of his deal after being traded for the Browns. They could cut him and get 2.45 million. I think they're going to give him a real chance to show what he can do and then sort of make a decision. I don't think it's coming anytime soon. And then Tavai and Lange are interesting because Jelani Tavai is a guy that Matt Patricia basically brought from Detroit with him. So, you know, he has uh, he, he he has an endorser on the coaching staff who happens to be very close with the head coach slash director of football operations, Bill Belichick. And then Lange is a guy who ever since he was a undrafted free agency here way back in 2017 they've always liked him he had the he had the car accident and then that sort of derailed his chance here went to new york played really well there um you know it's it's an interesting cast of characters everybody brings something different i think it's going to be a lot of trial and error during camp in the preseason but at the end of the day i still think bentley and mcmillan are out there in week one all right we'll get to right tackle in a minute but first greg will tell you about about betonline.ag our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including uh, MLB bets, futures for the NBA, NFL, hockey. Now that hockey's got their hot stove going on right now, a lot of a lot of lines are moving. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering information from live betting to playoff esports and more. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code CLNS50 to get the bonus and get into the action. Bet Online where the game starts. What are we what are we feeling like on the uh, right side? We know Trent Brown looks like he's going to be the guy on the left side along with Cole Strange, blind side of Mac Jones. Right tackle, we got Win, we got Haran, we got Kajust, 
And we've got Stuber, who is uh, still not out on the field. Stuber. Uh, so let's let's run through our right tackle and and what do you think about uh, the big overweight guy they'll put on that side? Yeah, I think that I think that uh, you know, and really you're looking when you talk about possibly moving Isaiah Wynn off the roster, and say you keep it Justin Haran and Yadni Kajust, you have to be comfortable that when push comes to shove, one of them can play left ta- left tackle because Trent Brown is not exactly an Iron Man. Um, and, you know, we'll have to see. I mean, I, it would be nice if those two guys got, like, real chances to show what they can do. Um, because if you're the Patriots, how, how are you not enticed, especially after watching Isaiah Wynn get his fifth-year option picked up and then he basically went on vacation the last two off-seasons? How do you want that guy around anymore, you know, as part of your program? Not that I think he's a bad guy or even a bad player. But, you know, that's just not how things are done around here. And... You know, that's that's a lot of chunk of change, you know, 10.4 million that they instantly pick up if they can find somebody to trade him to that that money's guaranteed. They can't just cut him. Um, I think those guys are going to get real shots. I think it's going to become apparent that uh, it's time to move on, even if they have to take a cut rate deal to get rid of win to get the cap space back. I'm going to go at the end of the day. I think win is traded. And I think Kajust is your starting left ta- uh, right tackle. Ooh. And I think Haran is your your swing tackle. Look at you, Yadni Kajust, starting right yeah. tackle. I still win out of town. Greg Bedard taking shots across the bow. Well, that'd be interesting. It'd be fascinating. You know, who would have thought the offensive line to start 2022, if that is how it plays out, that it would be Trent Brown, Cole Strange, David Andrews, and then... You know, you've got, uh, who am I blanking on? Come on, right guard. Come on, Nick. Here we go. Shaq? Shaq's gone. Oh, Owenu. Thank you. Owenu. And then you've got Kajust at your right tackle. Interesting offensive line. A little bit different than we thought it would be when uh, 2021 season ended. Let's jump to the uh, bostonsportsjournal.com member question of the day. Uh, The question is, Nick, how did you forget about Owenu? I apologize thoroughly. Let's jump to the second question, which Greg told mm-hmm. me he would find one. Yeah, so uh, I think I've used this guy before. Pat's in North Attleboro. Um, he's, you know, he's always com- commenting on BSJ. You know, he he took issue, and I'm sure other people did. I've pointed this out a couple times in, in the last week. Like, he says, why is there an obsession with Cole Strange being undersized and not strong enough? Joe Tooney, 6'5 six, six, at 304. Uh, 28 bench, uh, you know, and basically Cole Strange, 6'5", 305, 31 bench. All right, so here's the thing. You could put up all the measurables you want. And trust me, I've been next to Cole Strange in person. I've seen him. He's surprisingly big. But I'm just telling you, in my opinion, from covering the NFL over 20 years, Um, maybe he could bench a lot. That's fine. But what I'm talking about is not, uh, I think he's plenty strong up top where I worry about him at guard as a rookie coming from UT Chattanooga, that level. And also what I saw at a senior bowl when he struggled with guys like Travis Jones out of Yukon is does he have enough in the butt in the lower level, the calves, the thighs, the butt, because more than anything at guard, like if he was playing tackle, that'd be fine, you know. But at guard, you got to be you got to be able to anchor and hold up against, you know, like Christian Barmore. Like that guy's a freaking moose. 
And <laughs> like, you know, I couldn't hold up to him, you know, me and my skinny legs and skinny butt. Like, you know, so that's what I'm looking at. It has nothing to do about his arm length, has nothing to do with his ability to bench press. It has to do with his lower body strength. And I have questions about it. I'm not saying he can't do it. I'm just saying that is a question I have. It's something I'll be watching once they go to one-on-one drills. And I have a feeling that he's going to struggle a bit, but I think in time, he's going to be a good player, especially after, you know, a bunch of squats and deadlifts and stuff like that, you know, over the course of his career. But for right now, yeah, I'm a little bit worried that he's a little light in the britches to go up against these NFL defensive tackles. And I think it's legit. We're talking about the badunkadunk. We're talking about the caboose. We're talking about the tuk-tuk. We're talking about the ass, North Attleboro. We're talking about the ass. And when you are, you know, you could be too- You got a measurement for that ass? (laughs) Got a big old back? What you got? Got a big old booty back there? there? What's what's going on there, Coach Strange? I have no no doubts about Michael Wenu's caboose let me just yeah. say that no questions his about that dunk. his badunka dunk is 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 the anchor you're looking for if you're looking for good badunka mm-hmm. dunk felger felger's really the uh expert in badunka dunks isn't he he started that years ago with larry fitzgerald's uh took took he talked about fitzgerald's tookie <laughs> i think so yeah <laughs> but it's, it's all about weight distribution like i'm a fight fan and greg talks about that sometimes you know ufc fan and stuff it's you'll see certain fighters who are like, you know, welterweights and they're fighting at, mm-hmm. you know, 170. And a dude at 170 can be all up top, muscular, and his legs are are are, are tiny and his, his calves are tiny and his quads are not thick. And then you'll see another dude who's fighting in the same weight class at 170, and he's the exact opposite. His quads are huge, his calves are huge, and he's not as thick up top. It's like Saquon Barkley has the most ridiculous sized quads in the history of the NFL. It doesn't mean he's 350 pounds. It's, it's weight distribution. And so if a guy is the same height and same weight, it doesn't mean he has the same exact body form. It's not how it works. Mm-hmm. If, if you put on weight, every time someone puts on weight, you, you distribute it differently, right? Some people put weight in the, in the padunka dunk. So, some people put weight in the, in the side luggage there, right? The love handles. Some people put weight in just the belly. You see dudes that have a flat chest and a big old gut. You see other dudes that you know, distribute it differently. That's what it's all about. So if you could take one thing away from this podcast today, it's pay attention to the badunkadunk, the caboose, the tuk-tuk when you talk offensive line. And Greg is here to tell you. And he knows about weight distribution over the last year. If there's anybody that could tell you about putting weight on, losing weight, <laughs> it's Greg Bedard. Uh, Greg Baby Bedard, got back. <laughs> Greg Bedard, Patriots podcast with Nick Cattles, uh, brought to you by our friends at Athletic Greens, the all-in-one nutritional insurance for your body. That has over 7,000 five-star reviews. Everybody be good, be safe, be healthy, and we'll talk to you next time.